Hello and welcome to the Caravan Industry Insights Podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and event experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello, this is episode three of my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. And today we've got someone that's going to have a lot to say because he's been working in the caravan industry for 23 years. In fact, longer than that, because his family owned the business and it's been part of his whole life. It is none other than Simon Howard, the marketing director at Bailey of Bristol. Simon has been working at the business for 23 years, but as I said, his family have owned it since 1977. So it's been a part of his life since day one. He now runs the business with his brother Nick, the managing director, and their executive management team. And in this interview, Simon discusses what 23 years of working at Bailey has been like, how he's brought the marketing into the digital world, and of course, the current supply chain issues. I'm sure you're going to find this interesting. So here we go. Right. Hello, Simon. Hi, John. Good to see you again. Yeah, and you. Welcome to the podcast. I'll start by introducing you to everyone, just in case there's anyone out there that doesn't know you. So, uh, Simon, this is Simon Howard. He's the marketing director of Bailey of Bristol, the longest running caravan brand in the UK. And he's been working there for 23 years and runs the family owned business with his brother, Nick, the managing director and their senior management team. Simon has specific responsibility for the marketing function, overseeing all external and, and internal communications. And as part of this activity, Simon has participated in a series of big Bailey adventures, which have seen him take Bailey leisure vehicles across the Australian outback, over ice roads and frozen sea, above the Arctic Circle, and accidentally through the Grand Bazaar in centre of Istanbul. Welcome, Simon, again. Welcome, John. Yeah, no, it's good to see you in the UK for a change. I mean, normally we're in... We- We have travelled many thousands of miles together, actually, on our caravan jaunts. uh, I was, uh, yeah, a great pleasure of mine to organise those for you and uh, even bigger pleasure to to go on those trips. They were pretty awesome. And I look back at what we've done, what we've achieved, and uh, hats off to Bailey for for wanting to do something like that. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, mean, we've loved love doing them and first thanks for you know organizing them all i think we've we've never been anywhere we haven't turned up and they haven't been expecting us and uh, i mean i think but they think that the experiences had have been fantastic and i suppose the reason we, we do them is uh, just to show you know what is possible in a caravan or motorhome it really can sort of access parts of the world that you don't get with other holidays so from a baby point of view it shows the products are up to it because uh, again we we go through some, some Fairly extreme conditions, particularly in the Arctic, where it was, you know, very, very cold indeed, but we tough road conditions, uh, none more so than the centre of Istanbul. Was, as you mentioned earlier, we weren't intending to go that way, and that was... No, that wasn't planned. It doesn't quite go wrong that are the, the biggest highlights of some of these trips, to be fair. <laughs> yes, and I think that's what people enjoy. They they, 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 they like seeing us as, as the manufacturer and the journalists actually going out and using the products themselves. And, yeah, uh, I'll I mean, I, for I, that. 
and I think hopefully it comes across that we we enjoy using them every much every bit as much as as they do. So uh, yeah. yeah, really enjoying it. I mean, obviously COVID's restricted us the yes. last couple of years. We we did have a uh, a trip to London, uh, and uh, we, oh, yes. uh, with your help, we managed to get a, a caravan onto a rooftop in the centre of London. That was epic. Uh, that was epic. So we travelled vertically rather than horizontally that year. But, <laughs> and then you've just but, been out and about visiting your suppliers as well, haven't you? That was a good initiative. Yeah, it was a shorter trip, but obviously a lot of people talking about supply chain and supply chain yes. issues at the moment. So what we thought we'd do is just a, a tour of the UK and Europe, look at some of our key suppliers, find a little bit more about the people who make the components that go into baby caravans and motorhomes, yeah. and also find out sort of some of the challenges that they're facing at the moment so oh, yes. uh, in the current climate but uh, yeah a, a good cross-section of companies uh, i mean f- from a baby point of view what we're, we're trying to do is, is bring our supply chain more more local because obviously that makes it more robust it means it's less susceptible to you know uh vagaries of, of supply things like like covid and sadly you know when you wars in ukraine etc yeah. so the more local we can uh, make our supply chain the better but uh, that was really interesting to see them, and uh, they were they were glad to see us and to sort of like value the the relationship they have with with Bailey. Mm, it was great content, very engaging, and uh, really interesting as well. Yeah, I can't believe people still enjoy watching Lee and I in a caravan, but, but they, <laughs> they they do. Uh, but uh, yeah, but again, yeah, no, it was good. To, it was nice to get out again uh, in yeah, the van. Yeah. They haven't been for a while, and uh, yeah, and uh, to be fair, we saw some some nice parts of the UK. Yeah, so did. Fantastic, fantastic uh, caravan and motorhome club sites, mm. and uh, got to see. Germany, which again is a country when our trips we tend to scoot through to go yes. somewhere, somewhere farther afield, but southern Germany, Bavaria, the, the mountains there were mm. absolutely beautiful. So I uh, had a lovely time. Yeah, my parents used to go to Germany quite a lot. It's quite popular with caravanners, actually. I think second after France or something, I'd imagine. <laughs> it's nice. It's certainly, certainly worth worth a visit. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to quickly point out that you've got another Rawlings in your well, a, a Rawlings in your organ- organization, Ian Rawlings. Your director. I just want to point out that we're actually not related. I don't know if some people think we are. It's quite a coincidence having another person with the name of Rawlings in the in the caravan. Is there, world. Is there, there many of you Rawlings? You... Well, actually, I have done a bit of family research recently, and uh, nobody from Bristol yet. Uh, on the Rawlings side, they were mainly Buckinghamshire and Oxfordshire routes, which isn't a million miles from the West Country. No. So I'm just about to do a DNA test. So if it comes up with anything in Bristol way, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Okay. Well, hopefully you're nothing to do with the uh, the Ian Rawlings uh, brand of the, uh, the, the surname. But he's a nice guy, so I wouldn't mind yeah, if Top it, guy, it yeah. Top guy, our, our sales director, yeah. No, yeah. He, he's a good guy. Yeah. I wish I was as fit as him, that's for sure. <laughs> so, Simon, 23 years, that's a long time. You've, uh, you've grown up with it as a family business even before you started working there. So it's been a big part of your life. Uh, but how, how has the business and... I suppose specifically the marketing changed over all those years. Yeah, well, as you say, it, it's been been a life sentence for me, really, uh, working <laughs> at Bailey. I mean, I remember as a kid we went away uh, uh, in caravans. Typically, they they were prototypes that uh, my dad was testing on us. Mm-hmm. The uh, the guinea pigs is before the days of health and safety. But uh, <laughs> I remember going away and none of the the wallboards would match. The furniture was all a mix. The cushions were not fitting right. And he used to come up with these sort of elaborate 
bunk assemblies, which if we could put together without losing any fingers, that was considered a pass. So uh, <laughs> I remember uh, I remember being so excited, Nick and I, so we actually went away in a Finnish caravan for the first time. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, so it's in our blood, absolutely. Yeah. In terms of the, the, the company, it hasn't really changed. It's still a Bristol-based family-owned business and that, mm. that, that sort of core culture hasn't changed but uh, obviously we, we've grown in size and mm. both my my dad and my uncle Pat they've both retired now so Nick and I run the business with the management team we've undergone quite a lot of changes here obviously we've changed the way we we, we manufacture them with the Yaditech construction okay. system mm. and we've moved on from from caravans we obviously make motorhomes now and motorhomes are probably about about a fifth of our business so uh, and and growing very rapidly so mm. so that's that's been a big change and we export about sort of 10 percent of our production now but you? that that's been cut back a bit over the last couple of years through through covid but yeah. uh, we, we sell product to new zealand so it's very popular motorhomes particularly out there right. but uh, turkey israel and south korea amazingly caravans are very popular in south korea and uh, yeah. that's a big export market for us at the moment so, so yeah quite a yeah. few changes in terms of the business yeah. in terms of the marketing i mean yeah. 23 years ago we, we we were living in a in a an analog world yeah. my the 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 marketing team here laugh when I tell them when I did my marketing qualifications, the internet didn't exist. <laughs> I, they, they have no, no concept of a time before the internet. So <laughs> in the days when I first started, it was all about the, you, you had your launch, you had your brochure, that was your number one, the printed brochure, not a digital mm -hmm. one, printed one, that was your number, number one communication tool. Yeah. And then you had the two big shows, they would have been at Earl's Court oh, yes. uh, and in October and then the NEC. So, and your sort of key communication channels would be the printed magazines. So uh, the high street magazines and the club magazines, and uh, you'd be looking at advertisements and road tests and awards in there. That was the way you communicated. But obviously, it's a completely different world now. We're That's almost expanded enormously, isn't it? It's almost entirely digital. Yeah. Uh, your website really now is your key communication tool. Right. Closely followed for us by, by social media. We're very active there across yeah. the major platforms. But really, I suppose the key change is you're in constant contact with your customers now rather than periodic contact based around events as it used to be so obviously okay. we're, we're posting daily on our social media platforms yeah. and and people want more information about about you as well as about your product so you you're, you're marking the marketing bailey the company and the sort of initiatives that, that, that we we're undertaking mm. uh, as well as the product so that's probably the, the key change is just the continual communication and also the types of content you've got to generate with you it's great you're doing a podcast i think you're one of the if the first to try this, but obviously looking at different medical video is very, very important. Mm. Well, you know, the younger directors, they see a picture on a screen, they want to push it and they want to see some movement. So so video content is very popular, but 360-degree tours, all that oh, yeah. sort of their virtual showrooms. So, yeah, how you present the product has, has changed dramatically. Mm. So so once people, so presumably once people arrive at the dealership to actually look at it for real, They've had a pretty good insight from from all the information you've got on the website, et cetera, and the three sixty tours, et cetera. Are they are they arriving better informed? Do you think? I think so. I think they're yeah. arriving. I mean, to be fair, the caravanners, motorhomes, they they like to do their homework. Is obviously it's it's, it's a high value purchase, yeah. and it's quite a 
complicated purchase. So even in in the good old days of the Earl's Court show, people will be turning up with their clipboards with their short list and want to tick off the features that that the caravan or the modem had or didn't have compared to, to other makes. So yeah. people would like to do their homework, but I think the virtual showrooms certainly give them more of a visual impression of what they're going to see. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's quite an emotional purchase as well as yeah. uh, sort of suit yeah. you. And, and as you say, quite a large purchase. It is. And uh, I think, house and car. yeah, it, it's still quite a touchy feeling. Yes. People do like to sit in the product and and, and sort of take in the ambience because that, that's one of the key buying factors. But having said that, certainly during the the COVID, when, when the country was in lockdown, we mm. were getting increasing numbers of people just buying on the basis of what they've seen online. Cool. So, we'd, we're, so again, it... it, it, it you buy pretty much anything online other than perhaps houses now, but uh, certainly people are confident enough to put a deposit down mm-hmm. just to, to make sure that they, they secure that vehicle given availability has been so scarce for the last oh, couple yes. of years. People want to secure their purchase, so they're, they're putting a deposit down based on what they're seeing on the website. Mm-hmm. So from our point of view, we've got to make sure you know our, our images, our videos, our tours are as, as good as possible to help them get to that stage in the purchase. Yeah. And you are, I think, one of the first to be really proactive on social media and engage with, well, you've always been very good at engaging with media. I know when I was at, back in my days at Practical Caravan, Bailey was always very approachable, always had a press fleet available, etc. So I've probably done more caravanning in Bailey vehicles over the years than uh, any other brand. So well done for, to you. And thank thank you, you. But you took one to the Arctic Circle, didn't you? That was one of your early yes. pictures. I remember very, uh, pictures of very young John Rawlings. It was, well, I'm afraid that was back in 1995. So that is a little while ago. Yeah, was that was... Pageant the, she went away in? I think it was a pageant. Uh, pageant Champagne, yeah. Champagne, that was... Uh, yes, yeah. all Omega. And... Uh, and that was on the real on the Channel Four on the Real Holiday Show. I don't even remember that. There were not many people around that remember that in these days. But yeah, we had a producer following us for a, a chunk of the holiday. I mean, that was an epic trip going up there. In it was about this time of year, actually, late June, July, because it was around my birthday time, I think. Because uh, we were there for twenty four hour daylight and everything. It was it was uh, just, yeah. yeah, just amazing. It was really brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but yes, now I mean, social media again. I've got a very young uh, marketing team, and obviously they're very engaged in it. But certainly, over time, you can see how more and more engaged our customer base has become in social media. Mm-hmm. And I think people more and more now that they, they want uh, third party uh, endorsement for the product. They, they yep. obviously they they like in the manufacturer's sites yep. for, for the content, but they want to get other people's opinion on product so that's why we've always had a press fleet and uh not that we get it obviously available for for the main uh magazines but also for freelance journalists and that's not necessarily just to do product reviews it can be holiday features etc mm-hmm. it's just getting people out in our product mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that obviously helps spread the uh, the baby name but social media obviously it's, it's a double-edged sword you can get positive and negative comment but True. we yes. feel we've got to we've got to engage in that area and uh, try and encourage as many people to, to get out as possible so we've always been keen at, at encouraging social media influencers from, from, yeah. from the early days potentials who own baby products mm-hmm. and obviously we promote and support their activities and try and help grow their audiences for them but at the end of the day if more people you'll you'll you're getting in our products using them doing fun things in great locations again it's all a good story for for bailey and and hopefully for caravanning and motorhoming as well 
Mm-hmm. It all helps your Google rankings and all that more and more content out there featuring your, your vehicles. So I understand. I mean, so I understand, John, again, I'm not completely <laughs> savvy with all these this, this digital trickery, but... Uh, but your share, of, no, your share of voice must be, must be great in, in comparison to some others. Uh, well, we work really hard at it, and, mm. and uh, yeah, hopefully we, we get get the results. But uh, obviously, from our point of view, the, the aim is is to get people walking through the gates of the onto the retailer forecourts, asking to see uh, a, a Bailey vehicle. That's, yeah. that's really the aim. And uh, if yeah. we can do that through social media, then then fantastic. Yeah, no, so the products are that much more familiar to them sure. to start with, aren't they? And, and again, but, I would say also with with the new audience coming in, a younger audience yes. as a result of COVID, they're, they're far more social media savvy. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, as a as a platform for us, it, it's been really beneficial to be strong uh, mm-hmm. in that area because it, it's meant we've been more attractive to a potentially new audience as a way of us communicating with people perhaps who haven't had a caravan or motor before. Cool, brilliant. But I've noticed you've been posting a lot more on LinkedIn as well recently, a lot more sort of on maybe more of the corporate stuff. Is that quite important to you? Increasingly so, yeah. I mean, as a result of COVID, we're in a position now where we're having to work harder, uh, basically, to retain and employ staff. The labour market's changed dramatically. Okay. So we're having to work harder to, to sell ourselves as, a, as an employer of choice. And right. and to keep our, our staff. I mean, uh, I think that's that's not unique to us. It's not unique to Bristol. I think mm-hmm. that's just at the moment. There's the, the, there's generally a, a shortage of, of labour. There's lots of job vacancies, and we we need to compete. So therefore, we've got to do a, a better job in selling the benefits of, of working working for Bailey. So, Are you one of the biggest employers in in Bristol then? Uh, yeah, we'd probably be the, the second biggest in in Bristol. Certainly one of the. Uh, uh, second largest manufacturer. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Bristol is a, a booming city, and there's a, there's a lot of competition out there. So, we've had to make sort of significant changes. So, some of the things we've done, we've obviously changed our remuneration package for the operations team to make sure that's competitive, mm-hmm. and we put a, a grading structure in, and a, which which people recognise quick. Career progressions. That was one of the, the big things that came of our exit interviews. Which was individual people were leaving. Why are you leaving? And yeah. the lack of perceived career progression was one of the, the main reasons. So right. we've now got four grades and basically t- uh, dedicated time periods in which they can work their way up to the top grade. And we've also looked at things like improving the overall package. We're we're very keen to to, to create to attract more female talent. So we we've increased maternity leave full pay from six weeks to six months and also we're now covering the cost of any HRT prescriptions for females at the the later stage in life because obviously we want to retain once we have the female team want to retain it for as long as we can so those are the sort of things we're doing just to improve improve the package and the the working environment at Bailey. That's cool. So talking about corporate messages uh, what about sustainability and and the environment that's an issue that's important to a lot of uh, people nowadays particularly the younger generation coming in and uh, obviously you've got a bit of a corporate responsibility there how are you i saw something recently that you've done some carbon footprint initiative i think haven't you we have yeah i mean again because we're getting a younger audience in it's becoming increasingly yes. important for for our customers but really it's something that that nick and i are very passionate about and it's just something we should, we should be doing anyway so yeah sustainability is now one of our sort of central strategic pillars and to be fair we we a lot of the thing we've been doing a lot of sustainability initiatives but they've been sort of rather 
ad hoc. And if I'm taking us, a lot of the reason we, we've done them for, for economic as, as much as environmental reasons, because generally what's good for the planet is also good for business by reducing waste, recycling waste, reducing packaging, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so uh, we've been doing it anyway, but really we, we want to give the, the area more focus. So we're working with an outside agency uh, now to come up with a coherent uh, sustainability plan for, for the next 10 years for the business um, mm-hmm. to make us a, a greener company and reduce our environmental impact. So some of the things that we, we, we've started that you read about are now offset all our carbon emissions, annual carbon emissions, through a tree planting program with the Woodland Trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. UK-based uh, organisation, and fundamentally, they're, 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 they're planting trees. The UK it's not only tree planting, but also uh, improving the ecosystems in, in the UK. So there's a natural as well as a uh, an, an environmental benefit, and and we know from our research that our our caravan and motor home owners love going to Woodland Trust properties. So the more we can do to to help improve those uh, facilities environment for them, it's got to be a good thing. Yeah. In October, we're we're converting to fully sustainable energy supplies. So all wow. the electricity across the three sites will be uh, sun, uh, wind, and. I should remember the third one. Sun, wind, and I was doing so well, wasn't I? I was just thinking, what what else could it be? Sun, wind. I was going to say rain, but that doesn't help you much, does it? (laughs) Sun, wind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, green sources. Let's just say that. (laughs) (laughs) And do you have any any solar panels yourself on the factory yet? Uh, Yes, yes, we Mm. do have solar panels on on the building here. So, and and part of the plan is just to roll those out. We're rolling out LED lighting throughout the buildings, etc. Yeah. So there's a lot of really good initiatives going on, mm-hmm. and certainly we're working very closely with our supply chain to look at improving sustainability of the products, not only the products themselves, but also the packaging, et cetera, reducing that, looking at returnable packaging to reduce the amount of waste we have in terms of how we receive the products. So there's a lot of good things going on, but what we're looking to do is come up with a coherent plan so we can... Uh, really make a, a positive impact in terms of making ourselves more environmentally friendly over the next 10 years or so. Mm, excellent. That's very good to hear. Uh, I've, obviously, I've been around your factory a couple of times and, uh, yeah, I just admire anyone that can plan that sort of production process and uh, end up with a finished caravan at the end. It's, uh, yeah, very clever the way it all comes together. And, of course, unlike car factories, that you don't have a lot of robots. It's all very hands-on, isn't it? It's still very much a manual process. You're, yeah. They're all individually coach-built is the uh, the phrase we, we use in the industry. Right. We have a mechanised production line, so we, we have automatic movement of the, the caravans as they go round the plant. So it, mm-hmm. uh, prior to that, we found that our uh, production operators were spending about 25% actually moving the caravan from station to station, which is clearly not, you know, a yeah. very efficient use of their time. No. So uh, yeah. if you've got conveyors, do that automatically. And we we have invested in sort of lifting equipment to, you know, preserve the the backs of the, yeah. uh, the guys and girls and obviously yeah. reduce the number of accidents. Yeah. And we, we find, like like most jobs, people tend to do their best work at waist height. Uh, okay. So whether you're building a caravan sitting in an office, driving a car, people tend to do their best work, the more accurate work, the more productive they can do their jobs at waist height. So we have lifting stations, we have platforms, et cetera, but we try and get everyone as much as possible to be doing their jobs at waist height. So it's still a manual process, but it, yeah. it, 
Roughly how many how many people are there in the factory? We've got about 500 people in total. That's uh, a lot. And uh, we have two separate lines, one caravan, one motorhome, and we have a separate plant at Clevedon where we make the, the body shell panels and the floors, the seams and the sides. So of the 500, you're looking at about 400 will be in operations. On site there. Yeah. And then the other 100 hangers-on, like people in the marketing department. <laughs> <laughs> And 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 what are your production volumes like roughly? We're we're sort of back up now in in caravans. We're back up to pre-COVID levels, so you're about five thousand units a year. Motorhomes, we're still very much hamstrung in terms of availability yeah. of cabs, and we're no different to anyone else in yeah. the UK. In Europe, obviously, the automotive industry is, is struggling from the lack of semiconductors, and that's affected motorhome-based vehicle construction as well. So motorhomes availability is still very restricted. I mean, if you walked into a retailer today and asked for one uh, in July, you'd probably be picking one up in March, which Uh is, it's nice to have an order book that long. And then while demand's been great, sadly, lengths of uh, delivery time is a result of restrictions, which Mm -hmm. is it's disappointing. It's fantastic. We've had this new wave of people coming in, but we we felt for both caravans and both, we haven't quite capitalised as much as we'd like and uh, people by and large have been very very patient but uh, obviously it does take the edge off a new purchase which are very excited when you have to wait so long for it Mm. Mm. which is you know is is disappointing but we keep reminding ourselves there's lots of people in other industries who are in a much tougher position as a result of covid so uh, we should really count count our blessings that the demand for our our vehicles at the moment still remains so high yes that's good to hear. Yeah, it's the same in the car industry, isn't it? I was looking at a, a car website the other day, and uh, the first thing they tell you is, you know, long delays or deliveries will not be till well at least six months or something. So at least it's not just you; everyone is is used to that almost. But how well, how else have you managed the supply chain issues? Over? Uh, well, and is it getting better? Other than sending Lee and I out to visit them, uh, which nobody deserves. It's improving. I wouldn't say it's perfect at the moment. Certainly it's a lot better than it was 12 months ago, but it's probably more down to a few suppliers now, whereas 12 months ago it was pretty systemic that you just couldn't get the components. And that must be a nightmare when you've got caravans going down the production line and all those workers to keep busy. It, it is. It's been a real challenge, and I, I, I do feel for our procurement team. They've had a, a tough old job the past yeah. 18 months. It's, it's probably better for caravans uh, than it is for motorhomes. Motorhomes, for the reason I've already explained, the lack yeah. of cabs means you just can't build them. You can't start. Caravans, we're sort of in a situation where we can build them, but sometimes we, we can't finish them. And sadly, when we're at the moment where we're, we're sending some out without key components, which again, I know don't you've read about in the industry. For yeah. example, Alco ATC, that's the trailer control unit, oh, yeah. sort of snaking system. Yeah. You can't get those at the moment across the industry. So we're, we're, we're in a situation where we can either send the product out without it or, or not at all. Right. Which is disappointing. Yeah. But in Alco's defense, again, it's, it's electric. So anything electronic that comes from the Far East supply is still very, very difficult. Right. But sort of things we've done, other things like table legs. We were short of table legs. We used to get those from the Far East. They're, our supplier there was one of the, the casualties of COVID. So we've been forced to look for a new supplier. And as a result, we, we've now got a UK supplier. Oh, good. That, which is great. For the UK. So again, so it's local. So in terms of what we're doing for the supplies, what, what, I suppose the main 
thrust of our, our policy with them is obviously trying to make things as easy as possible for them. We're realising you know, they're, they're struggling to get their raw materials. So what we've done is we, we've scaled back our, our new production schedule at the moment in terms of new vehicles, because anything new, any new components, generally they're harder to source than existing ones. Yeah. And what we've also looked to do to again to make things easier is have bigger builds of the best selling models so so less variety for them okay. so and that's been good for us too because obviously we've had had issues with 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 sourcing labor and, and absenteeism as a covid yeah but, but fundamentally from a manufacturing point of view bigger builds of fewer models is good news in terms of uh, maintaining the supply chain. So that's some some of the tangible things we've done. But it's all about communication uh, and keeping in touch with them and uh, working with them. I mean, uh, I think possibly one of the things that that, that people don't appreciate, when we're not a huge industry Mm. and we we don't have a huge choice of suppliers for for many components. Okay. One chassis manufacturer, there's the, the yeah. two window manufacturers, there's two fridge manufacturers. Two yeah. It's not as though they're, they're, there's half a, do- half a dozen other people we can go to. Yeah. So what you've got to do is, is work with your existing suppliers, make things as easy as possible, but maintain that relationship. Maintain communication has been really important. I think most people, have, so by and large, have been very tolerant, and we, we, we really do thank them for that with okay. the long delays. But it's given them the the accurate information and keeping them up to date. Right. Yeah, nightmare for them as well, I would imagine, pulling their hair out, trying to trying to supply everyone. Indeed. And, and it was very interesting when we went on the supply supplier tour, particularly in Europe, because the issue they had is obviously the different countries are at different stages in terms of lockdowns. So some markets were active, some were closed, some were starting up, some were shutting down. Yeah. So it was very difficult for them to, to balance all those plates that were supplying all the different countries in, in Europe. Mm. Um, because the markets just weren't at the same state in terms mm-hmm. of... There haven't been any lockdowns for a little while now, but then, of course, in the Far East, COVID is, is uh, still a problem and has come back a bit, hasn't it? So I guess that's delaying anything that's... Well, so much stuff comes from the Far East, doesn't it? Yes, I mean, so the bulk of our suppliers are from UK and and uh, Europe, and what we're trying to do is bring our suppliers more more local where we can. So so recently we we transferred all our Locador production from from Italy to to the UK. We we work for a company called QK, who are in Brig in Lincolnshire, and they make all our Locadors now. So Mm. that's good for the UK economy, but obviously it means we're a little bit more protected Mm. uh, in terms of the vagaries maybe of Brexit and COVID, etc. So so the more local your supply chain is, the better. But we have to accept that while our supply chain may be reasonably local, our supplier suppliers may well be farther afield, particularly sourcing raw materials for their components. But uh, the closer they are to home, the better. You've had to keep an eye on costs as well through all that process as well. Although... Yeah, again, very, very challenging. I mean, we think, you know, copper price has doubled and you think about the amount of copper we use in our electric wiring harnesses, steel prices have doubled. Wow. than the chassis yeah. so you can, costs uh, transportation costs etc so you you can manage it to a certain extent but when they're doubling mm. it's quite difficult and as you're probably aware with manufacturing it's a numbers game uh, it's all about volume we, we have a lower margin on larger volumes of units and when you're making uh, you know large volumes of units you can bear more of the cost but when your production volumes are down 
because yeah. you can't get parts in. You haven't got the units to, to divide that cost over. So therefore, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. the ones you make are going to be more expensive. Yeah, yeah. And lots of, lots of big grown-up decisions you've had to make then. Sadly, yeah. Sadly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so and what about your dealers then? It must be hard for them trying to keep the, their, their customers happy. Yeah, I mean they're 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 at the front end. Yeah, uh, for them it's been very difficult because obviously they they can't get the uh, the volume of, of how, how, fr- how frustrating. Yeah, exactly, and they're getting people coming in saying, "I'd like to buy one. Where can I see one?" And yeah. having to, to turn them away, which, Gosh. as I mentioned earlier, is is really sad. Particularly as we we we've got a huge opportunity at the moment. There's been a big boom in, in domestic holidays, and you yes. read the stories about airport chaos at the moment. And yes. uh, compared to other forms of holiday, going away mm. in a caravan and motorhome is just so trouble-free. You're really the master of your own destiny. Mm. You can go where you want, when you want. But mm. uh, So not being able to, to capitalise fully on that demand is, is frustrating for them. But, uh, you know, it, it's like you said earlier, we're not alone. And yes. uh, it's the same for all manufacturers, but it's the same for many other industries as well. And the retailers are doing their best to, you know, keep their customers as, as happy as possible. But certainly stock levels and retailers are, are as low as I can ever remember in wow. 23 years. And fundamentally, everything we're, we're making is already sold. It's already got a customer's name on it. It's not going to go and sit yeah. on a retailer's forecourt waiting no. for someone to love it. There's very, very little out there now. No end of season sales coming up. I've got a client, a very small caravan dealer, and yeah, he just had no stock at all at one stage. Nothing to sell. It's incredible. No, which is which, which is which is tough for them because obviously yeah. they need that flow of product, yeah. and it's the same for them with pre-owned product. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Encouraging for them what we the, the trend we've sort of seen the last sort of three months, six months of that, because the price of secondhand products is is, is so high at the moment. Yeah, they're getting more of the existing owners coming back into the market and thinking, well, now's I wasn't planning to change my vehicle, but given the price of my current one is so good at the moment, uh-huh. I'm going to swap it now yeah. because that way, you know, the cost of change for me will, will okay. be better. So they, 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 they're sort of playing the, the, the stock market to a certain extent of what the price of their caravan or motorhome is likely to be. But some of them are saying, well, if I trade it in now, I'm going to get a much better deal than potentially I will do in 12 18 months' time. So they're seeing more pre-owned product coming back in, which which is good for them. So they may not have the new volumes, but at least more of the product they're selling is attracting a part exchange, whereas last year it was nearly all what's called a straight deal where customers are coming in, taking the caravan. And from the retailer's point of view, there was no opportunity for for additional revenue Mm. other than that one new sale. Yeah, yeah. And do you think this this sort of peak in demand is going to continue? I mean, that's have you got a good crystal ball for that? At the moment, there's no signs of it slowing up. But uh, obviously, things like the cost of living crisis they are they are going to bite eventually, and mm. uh, people's spending power is, is is reducing. I mean, fortunately, sort of a large chunk of our market is probably sort of the 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 more mature couples, the older couples, the retired couples, and they they, they tend to be a little bit probably financially more robust than other parts of the population. So we're a little bit protected there. Mm. But ultimately you do have to be careful that you don't sort of price yourself out of the market. So but the demand is still good, but we're mindful that the news coming from the Bank of England regarding the economy is not fantastically encouraging at the moment. Mm. And uh, it may well be that that will, will slow demand slightly. But we're sort of cushioned 
by the fact that one, the retailers had no stock at all. Right. And we have an order book, so motorhomes would be March next year. Caravans, you, we're starting to get people order for the, the 2023 season, which is post-September this year. Mm. There is still some stock around, but certainly a lot less than usual. So even if we didn't sell anything, we, we've still got to restock the network, if you like, so that there's a job to do there. And by restocking that, we mean that means they can have one of everything on site. So when a customer walks on and say, I want to see this product, they can go, yes, here it is. Right. Uh, rather than you've got to go and look at the website. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's no, no signs of it slowing down yet, but we are looking ahead with a, a, perhaps a, a little bit more caution, mm. just fundamentally as a result of the, the, the economic climate as, mm. as it is at the moment. And can you can you adjust production fairly easily, or how how far out do you have to plan all that? Typically, we're sort of with our suppliers, we're on a sort of ten to twelve week schedule in terms of order components. So anything beyond that, we we can turn up, turn down. Sadly, at the moment, we're we're struggling to turn it up um, <laughs> just because yes. our suppliers can't give <laughs> us the uh, components. But if there was a uh, a downturn, then we can can wind it back in. Uh, right, yeah, and which are the best-selling layouts or, or models at the moment? Then is there any particular trend? Everything selling John's basically. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> the best-selling yeah, best yeah. model is, is is the one is the one on the retailers' forecourt. Um, right. Certainly, last year we we've got a good picture with with so many sort of first-time buyers coming into the market. We had a lot of the, the sort of smaller, lighter, more affordable ranges, so something like a Phoenix in terms of the Caravan or Discovery and the Adamo motorhome, which is sort of like a more sort of younger, contemporary-looking vehicle. Okay. They yeah. were the best sellers. But it's as I mentioned a little bit earlier, and um, we're getting more of the traditional customers coming back in, so something like the top-end products like our Unicorn Caravan range or the Autograph is starting to claw back some of our share so it is pretty much across the board in terms of layouts there's obviously a fashion thing but it's, it's all about island beds at the moment <laughs> i think it's fascinating how trends come and go like that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that that pageant champagne you you took away all the yeah. years ago that that was the that was the rolls was. royce and like, that, that was that was yeah. by far our biggest setting that was a four bird yeah, in the washroom with a side to net. That's it. But, <laughs> but uh, no, very much island beds, and across all ranges, it's the the island bed with the end bedroom, the centre washroom at the moment. Right, that's the one that's selling the most across every range we make at the moment. Gosh, incredible! And I was just I noticed in uh, I think it was the European Caravanning Federation published some sales figures from from across all of Europe, and uh, the UK and I think it's Holland. Are quite unusual in having uh, one of the only markets that sells more caravans than motorhomes. I think if 10, 15 years ago, Germany sold more caravans than motorhomes, but that it's changed completely into being a much more motorhome dominant market. Do you think that will, have you noticed that trend in the UK? Is it likely to go that way here, or is it just that we use our leisure vehicles differently? Well, not at the moment, they won't catch up because we're no. having cabs to make them. But <laughs> uh, uh, once the uh, supply changes, certainly we're seeing the the motorhomes catching up with caravans very rapidly. Caravans is still still the the bigger market of the two, but but the gap is is really is is closing. So in time, quite possibly yes. Mm. I mean, obviously the the caravan has been a, a lifelong love affair for the British population. Certainly, we're seeing more people citing their caravans on seasonal pitches. Okay, I mean that's certainly definitely popular in Holland and Germany, isn't it? Plunk. Uh, 
leaving your caravan there f- to for weekend use, etc. Exactly. So, so, so obviously from that point of view, that's a slightly sort of set different type of use to a caravan or yeah. for touring yeah. purposes. Yeah. But obviously, a, a motorhome is about twice the price of a caravan, so yeah. uh, there's yeah. obviously a financial consideration. But there seems to be a lot more of them out there. I mean, 23 years ago when you started, it would have been quite unusual to see a motorhome on a on a caravan site. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I think in time, yes, it probably will overtake caravans. I think obviously the UK needs to improve its infrastructure to cope with motorhomes. Yes, that's true. If, you, if you go to the continent, you go to France or somewhere like that with their airs, and yeah. they're totally geared up. For the for the touring lifestyle, the yeah. the, the one night stopovers, whereas the UK's not quite no. there yet. No. But no. certainly, yeah, if you look at all the data uh, in time, motorhomes, I think will catch up with caravans and ultimately yeah. take it in terms of sales. Of course, motorhomes. I think that includes campervans as well, and that, I know that's been a massive growth growth sector. So I think that swells the numbers as well slightly. But yeah, it does. Yes, you have you have your, your pop top campervans and then your panel vans yeah. included in there. But oh yes, of course. Look, looking at your figures, certainly they're by far the, the the two biggest growth sectors in Europe. Certainly, yeah, definitely, definitely cool. Okay, so some some fun questions, as I call them, to end with. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to ask the ev- hardest ones. Looking at the, <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask everyone uh, to just just a bit more less less businessy. But so, if you could take a caravan or motorhome anywhere in the world, where would you like to go? Well, I think I've, I've been really lucky. As you know, because yeah, yes. I've been to some fabulous places, and yes. today probably the the place I enjoyed the most was was Uluru in the, in the middle of the Australian outback. Uh, uh, yeah. that, that was absolutely fantastic. The place I'd le- least like to go again would be the centre of Istanbul. But uh, to be fair, the, the next on my list, I'd I'd love to complete that trip to Morocco with you. We obviously oh, started that. We were hoping to go to Sahara Desert. And, yes, uh, we got as far as Portugal, and then COVID kicked off so uh, i guess the sahara desert would be that john i'm just really it's an itch that i want okay. to be really my fingers crossed we can make that happen then let's 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 hope so yeah yeah so next question if you had a magic wand what would you wish for to benefit the caravan industry as a whole guaranteed fantastic summer weather in the uk oh good answer yes there you go yeah that is perfection uh, i get what you yeah. yeah yeah definitely and what do you like most about working in the caravan industry that's it's it's the people. Uh, I, I think that from, from a manufacturer's point of view, I, it's lovely to make something that people genuinely enjoy. I mean, when you go to the NEC shows and you stand there and you talk to the people and they tell you about where they've gone and what what, what they've done, it's really nice that you're you're, you're adding value. I think that's a terrible marketing phrase, but you're, you're creating a product which is really helping them enjoy life to the maximum. So yeah, that's it's giving them pleasure, isn't it? Pleasure, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think uh, while a lot of my friends think it's funny what I do for a living, I, I think <laughs> I, I, I make by and I don't make everybody happy, but we make a lot of people happy. And, uh, you know, they, they give them a chance to get out and maybe see parts of the world they wouldn't do otherwise if they didn't have a caravan or motorhome. Yeah, well, that's good. And we need to keep keep converting more people and telling more people about it. Yeah. If you uh, if you could have a barbecue on a campsite with some people, celebrities, politicians, famous people, dead or alive, other than family or friends, who who would you like to invite? This was a tricky one. I must deny I had to think hard about it. If I'm going to barbecue, I need someone to cook for me because my cooking is, is truly <laughs> abysmal. So I want a, a proper chef. So I'm guessing someone, someone like Gordon Ramsay, someone oh, like okay. that, because he, he's, he's a bit of fun. He's quite yeah. fiery around the barbecue, I imagine. Yes. Him, him to cook. 
Yeah. Then I need someone to supply the drink, so someone who likes likes their booze. So I was trying to think of well known, well known drunks. But then I thought well, <laughs> Ian Botham. I love my cricket, and he's got his own vineyard. He loves his red wine. So I think Ian Botham to supply the booze, uh, and then uh, and then entertainment. It'd have to be Elvis Presley. Oh, cool! Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I've got some food, drink, and entertainment. I think that's the that's interesting. Uh, the perfect combination <laughs> for a great night in a caravan. There's a new film out about Elvis Presley at the moment, isn't there? You have to go and uh, yeah, it's in a good review. It's got Tom Hanks in it, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think he's I'll not as Elvis, I don't think. But no, uh, not the real Elvis, I don't think. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but those those will be the three. So I hope I haven't upset Lee by not including him in that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not famous. Well, not I suppose semi-famous, but yeah. So a uh, caravan a motorhome. What would be your first choice? For a holiday, again, that's a very tricky question for mm. me because obviously I want I want to satisfy both both people, <laughs> but uh, and I love going away in both. But I guess fundamentally, I, I'm, I'm bone idle, so a caravan would probably suit me better because I'm not good at packing up every time I would oh, have okay. to move on with a motorhome. Yeah, but I do like I will put it, I do love both, but a caravan probably suits my my more slovenly nature. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Thank you very, very much, Simon. So where do people find out more about Bailey and your leisure vehicles? You've got the website, baileyabristol.co.uk. That would be the first port of call. And then yeah. we're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube and Instagram on the app Bailey of Bristol yeah. uh, tag. Or you can email us if you want to contact us directly through marketing at baileyabristol.co.uk. Okay. Good. I enjoy following you on, on all, all your channels. You do good, good stuff. Okay. All right. Unless there's anything else you want to add, I think that's that's great for today. Thank you very much for your time. It's been really interesting, and uh, I will look forward to seeing you again soon at the October show, if not before. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting us, and let, let's get around the table and start planning that Morocco trip job. Let's do it. Let's do it. That would be very very cool. Okay. Thank you, Simon. No problem at all. Bye, John. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It would be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.